Coming to you via the internet and your friends at PipesMagazine.com, it's the Pipes Magazine radio show. Thank God for this radio show, because you certainly don't want this guy doing brain surgery on you. Now, I invite you to sit back, relax, the smoking lamp is lit. Here's your host, Brian Levine. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Pipes Magazine radio show. Yes, the sometimes irreverent, sometimes educational, but always entertaining weekly pipe smoking broadcast. And I am your host, Brian Levine, coming to you from my home just outside of Charlotte, North Carolina, and reminding you that you must be of legal smoking age wherever you are in order to listen to this fine program. Uh, And on this fine program this week, a uh, review of Crooner's Mixture, a Crooner's Blend from Cornell and Deal. Yeah, that's right. Uh, The one with uh, with Deer Tongue. So I'll review that. And then my guest is the return of Steve Fallon, the pipe stud, and we talk all about uh, all kinds of uh, vintage tobaccos and how it works, buying and selling and all that stuff. So it's always, always fun to hang out with Steve. And I think it's possible that Steve is actually, you know, mentally with his, uh, with his wit and wisdom, I think he's faster than I am. So love hanging out with Steve. Just a good time always. And then we'll have a music mailbag and rant. All the usual stuff on this week's episode of the Pipes Magazine radio show. And remember, if you're on iTunes, please leave us a rating or a review there. We'd greatly appreciate that. We got a few of those this week or in the past couple of weeks that I'll, uh, that I'll read to you. And greatly appreciate those people that do that. And the JDRF fundraiser, we've got product coming in already. So if you've got anything that you would like to donate, that would be absolutely wonderful. 100% of the proceeds from the sale of those items go directly to the Juvenile Diabetes Research Foundation, finding a cure and helping uh, treat those that are suffering from type 1 diabetes. And... uh, Well, I guess this is a weird transition, but it must be the drinking time of the year because we just got done with Fat Tuesday last week, and coming up this weekend is St. Patrick's Day. So uh, a a happy luck of the Irish to you if you're celebrating St. Patrick's Day or uh, if you're just drinking, you know what, have fun. And uh, make sure you do it with your pipe and uh, all that. So there you go. All right, let's get the show rolling. Everybody sit back, relax, fire up a bowl. Thank you all for tuning in, and here we go. There's nothing quite like working in my shop or smoking my genuine Missouri Meerschaum corncob pipe, an American legend since 1869. It's the coolest, smoothest pipe I've ever owned. Check them out at corncobpipe.com. And we are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show and for Pipe Parts, a blend review of crooners from Cornell and Deal. And this goes back, oh God, a couple of months ago when uh, the subject of deer tongue came up and I can't remember who pointed me to it. I tried to find it. I apologize. Uh, But crooners. And then we talked to uh, Jeremy Reeves about crooners mixture or crooners blend or crooner Uh, and here it is, and I, I bought some. Uh, this tin that I opened this week is dated being made in uh, December of 18, so what, you know, three months of age on it, so not much, not much really. Uh, anyway, it comes in a it comes with a brown label, and it just says Cornell and Deal Crooner on the front. 
On the back, it says a specially cut cube style burly and deer tongue tobacco. The crooner is an authentic copy of Bing Crosby's private blend shared with us by one of his closest friends. So there you go. This obviously, you know, if you're, it should be smoked in a, uh, uh, in a Bing's favorite, but I didn't have a Bing's favorite. So I, so I smoked it in one of my regular pipes. Um, Upon opening the tin, it's one of Cornell and Deal's standard 50-gram round tins with a nice little paper insert to keep it in there. On opening it, it looks like a mix of maybe like a cube cut of some sort and some little bit longer pieces, but there's not a lot of big pieces of tobacco in here. So I was automatically a little skeptical about how was I going to pack it because you got to be careful that the small stuff doesn't go down into the uh, you know in up the draft hole at you so you yeah just be careful how you pack it and then also in there are some bright green pieces and i'm assuming that those bright green pieces are deer tongue uh not a lot of pieces in there but maybe you know maybe like five percent of the total blend is those green pieces maybe a little bit less uh but anyway they're they're really pretty they look like um You've ever seen those green cigars? They're called Candela. They were really popular in the 60s and 70s. Um, well, that's it. Uh, yeah, it looks like those bright green pieces in there. Uh, so I packed a bowl. I started off in one of my older Costellos that's a, probably, you know, a traditional group three in size. And yeah and and i packed it and and i went with it and about 10 minutes into the bowl i thought i was uh, i thought i was smoking something else because boy was it uh, my head was spinning it was uh <laughs> gave me a little uh, gave me a little contact high um so so there you go it, it gave me a little bit of a buzz a uh, decent flavor, not a lot of overwhelming flavor. I kept hearing about vanilla in deer tongue. So, you know, there I was looking for what would be a vanilla blend uh, or what would have some vanilla in it. And I couldn't pick it up, but I was getting a decent burly taste, a good light, uh, you know, light sweetness, light natural sweetness to it. Um, but at the same time, I was getting kind of stoned from it. <laughs> and uh it was um it was pretty intense for a while there it actually gave me uh, gave me the hiccups so then i tried it in a little bit bigger bowl and uh not quite as intense um i think it'd be a uh, it's actually a good all-day blend i'll just warn you that it's got a little bit of a nicotine kick to it and going over to tobaccoreviews.com for some of the reviews I, I want to warn you before you go to tobacco reviews that, um, you know, don't look at some of the older ones because the older ones were going back to 2001 and uh, that may not be the uh, may not be the fairest uh, judge of it because of current production and, you know, the move from uh, from North Carolina down to uh, South Carolina. Um this one is uh, from Mike Hager KJ, and he says, uh, "These reviews are filled with comparison between deer tongue and deer's tongue and vanilla. And while this is true, I'd like to underscore the floral and herbal flavor of it. Uh, definitively different from a standard Tonkin bean flavor, in which the flavor comes mainly from coumarin." 
which to my taste buds tastes almost exactly like and almost only a vanilla. This blend has that coomer and vanilla flavor, but is more, but is far more complex than that. I'm reminded of grass, flowers, tea, and even pine wood. Uh, he goes on to say that this uh, this is a must try for anyone who is a fan of uh, floral and herbal flavors like myself. If you don't, stay away. <laughs> and he found it to be uh, medium strong, you know, almost a full flavored. Uh, and then a two star review, uh, not so friendly, was from Pip. And uh, Pip said, uh, I never had deer tongue before, so it was time to give it a try via crooner. Well, the tin note has that dive, uh, that dove bar aroma to it. Right then and there, I'm saying to myself, do I really want to do this? Of course I do. So here we go. Packed up my old Peterson B11 and lit her up. The tobacco itself was cut uh, very fine and the moisture level was perfect. So you do have to be careful with the charring light, with the charring and true light because crooner burns hot. Uh, might be due to the cube cut, but it's hot. I didn't get bit, but it, it wouldn't take much. So I calmed it down and settled into a nice even smoke. You can definitely taste the burly, toasty and nutty on the verge of bitterness if you take a big draw and heat it up too much. The deer tongue imparts a different taste ever so often. I'm not sure I can accurately describe it. Herbal, kind of sweet, dry oak leaves, the forest, beer-soaked wood perhaps, hence the, uh, the, the dive bar smell. Uh, different for sure. Anyway, I, I kind of agree with both of those reviews, and uh, but yet at the same time, I could see myself smoking this all day. I uh, didn't, didn't notice much real room aroma to it or note, uh, except that it was uh, very smoky, and I'll just give caution in packing it. All right, there you go. Crooner from Cornell and Deal. Uh, it's, it's, it's a different blend, so give it a try. And in just a moment, Steve Fallon. This is Internet Radio. Have a look in your tobacco cellar. What do you see? Think of what you smoke, what you age, what you're drawn to in a blend that keeps you wanting more. That's your taste. And whether you know it or not, you've been leading that expedition since you first picked up a pipe just by smoking what you like and liking what you smoke. But the funny thing about taste, it changes and you need a wide selection to accommodate it. We at Smoking Pipes know this, and you know it too. So whether you're searching for a tried and true favorite or a singular boutique mixture, we're here to help you navigate the voyage of your evolving tastes. But you're still at the helm. Smoking Pipes, in faithful service of the hobby. We are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show, and joining me is the one, I guess you are you are the toughest, meanest, uh, studliest uh, pipe smoker in the world because your name is the Pipe Stud, and yes, your wife, who I love dearly, did give you that name. So, Steve Fallon, welcome back to the Pipes Magazine radio show. Well, thank you very much. It's a pleasure considering the fact that uh, over the years since we first uh, did the show with you, when you first got underway, you've turned into kind of a superstar, and that's a shame because now you've got such a swollen head. Every time I see you, you can hardly get in the hotel rooms to say howdy to me, but that's okay. You deserve it. My head's gotten so big, it's pushing the hair out. Um, 
But yeah, so uh, so Steve, you were back on in the in the in the early days of the show. If you haven't heard that episode, please don't go back and listen to it. That was in the early days of the show, and um, those shows are kind of painful. Uh, even we, from we've both for, grown up. Yeah, we've both grown up. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and even though you were on the show, your pipe stud business is still in existence. It didn't. <laughs> your appearance here didn't sink it. Well, that's remarkable. But uh, back in those days, you just started, so probably the listenership wasn't where it, what it is today. It was probably in the twos and threes instead of the twenty and thirty millions. <laughs> yeah, yeah, all yeah. Well, my family has gotten a little bigger since then. Um, it's uh, so going back just to recap. Uh, you you grew up in Texas. You were in uh, in sports broadcasting for years, and then. Uh, you were the uh, director of the Texas Sports Hall of Fame, which you've now retired from, or they finally figured out what you were doing and made you retire, um, <laughs> or what you weren't doing. And uh, all along with the uh, with the Texas Sports Hall of Fame stuff, you started up the eBay consignment store and then the Pipe Stud website because of eBay's uh, somewhat bizarre rules and regulations so uh, can you just briefly recap what is ebay's exact rules on selling a tobacco product on their website well the rules as they stand now brian is you can't do it uh it's you've got to show not only that the uh the tins are empty but you have to have a picture of it and uh so they have been sometimes really being tough on people other times ignoring it uh, but I just, years and years ago, I just said to heck with all that, trying to figure it out. Besides, they've got me covered now. I, I've been red flagged. I, I couldn't put a <laughs> tin of tobacco up there without them yanking it off, uh, at all. So I don't, I wouldn't even try it. So the guys, the, the, the tobacco that is for sale right now on eBay, it could come down at any moment. They, is it fair to say that the, that eBay itself could go on a jihad and just shut down all those auctions at any minute? Oh, yeah. And they've done it in the past. But like I say, it's sporadic, Ryan. They'll uh, like a few years ago, they uh, got tough again and was shutting everybody down. And then it seemed like right after uh, McClellan's went out of business uh, with all the McClellan's tins popping up on eBay and the unbelievable astronomical prices some of them were commanding, uh, eBay probably was making some pretty good money off of all those sales and said, we're just going to we're just going to turn our head to the left here for a while and see how this plays out. And and it's still playing. At the time of recording and putting out of this show, it's still playing. But again, you know, uh, let, let's get let's get into some of the nuts and bolts of how does somebody uh, if we've got tobacco tins, how does somebody reach out to you and what's the process for getting you to consign their tobacco tins for them? Well, I appreciate you asking that. That is my business. And it, uh, you know, I'm trying to keep beef and the beans for the family when we eat dinner at night. So I work it pretty <laughs> hard. The, um, uh, the process is really simple. And of course I have it up on my website too. the terms and conditions for, fo uh, for both eBay and the, the website consignment sales. But basically you just, uh, if you have what I think is pretty good stuff, uh, I'll beg you to send it to me, and then um, uh, once I've got the product in my hand, I do all the work, and you get all the money except for 30%, which is uh, what my commission is. And, uh, you know, people will 
everybody thinks that they have something that's a little more special than it really is, whether it be pipes or pipe tobaccos. Uh, but having been in the business so long, I kind of have a general idea on the tobacco end. So uh, I set all of the prices there on eBay. It's just whether I think the pipes are valuable enough to put up there on eBay uh, for me to uh, want to work with them. And so they'll send me their list of what they have, the conditions of the pipes, and on the tobaccos, they'll send me a list of what they have, the ages uh, of the tobacco. And so that gives me an idea of what I can and can't consign. And what's been really nice is uh, that there have been over the years uh, so many consigners that have given me repeat business plus the new consigners. So I'm always about a month behind. If you send something to me, it'll be three weeks to a month before you see it up on the site. But that's a good problem to have, but I try not to go any farther out than that because then you've got people waiting for a long time to get their money. So uh, it, it's pretty strict on what I'll accept uh, on both uh, eBay and, and the website just simply because I don't want to extend the consigners to where they're having to wait too long for their money. What kind of tobaccos do you not want? Well, any of the fresh stuff. You know, the, yeah. the tobacco that's uh, – even if it's a good tobacco, but – uh, in general operation and being sold all over the internet if it's less than five years of age i don't really think that that's uh, uh something i'd want to put up on my site uh but if it's got some good age to it uh, five seven ten years something like that well then uh, and it's a good tobacco well, certainly yeah i want it the uh, uh i i was kidding with mike mcneil just the other day but i told him that uh, once he went out of business uh everybody was trying to send me their mcclellans and the prices had gone up <laughs> so high and I, I, of course, was determined to beat eBay. I thought they, those were nut prices. Uh, and so I've kept them where I hope they're fair and uh, still have made a good amount of money. So I told, uh, I told Mike, thanks uh, for uh, helping me buy my wife a car. And he just kind of laughed. <laughs> Are there, <laughs> I, won't tell you what he, I won't tell you what he said after that, Brian. <laughs> no, I think it might not be suitable for family audience. Uh, exactly yeah uh is there i mean is, is there like an old grade of tobacco that you won't take i mean like you know an old tin of prince albert from i don't know <laughs> you know from albert's back pocket well i'll probably i would probably pass on the prince uh there are uh there are old tobaccos that i've never heard of that uh i've they're tin tobaccos and i'll go well i've never heard of this but I'll put it up on my website, give it a you know a lower price, forty five, fifty dollars, and uh, and boom, it sells immediately just because <laughs> it's it's old. So I've learned it. if it's old and I've never heard of it, doesn't necessarily necessarily mean don't sell it. Uh, the one ten in particular that I'm remembering, uh, and I had never heard of uh, heard of one before, uh, but there was a tinned tobacco uh, from the 1950s sold out of africa huh. uh i don't even remember the name of it i should have taken a picture but the tin was beaten up it was still uh, it was a thick metal and it was still vacuum sealed but it was beaten up so badly you couldn't really read the name of the tobacco you could barely make out uh, the johannesburg on there but i put it up on the site and thought well you know it's so rare I'll, I, nobody knows what it is i'll shoot for 100 and see what happens well it was gone in about 10 seconds and i said dang why didn't i go 200 <laughs> Uh, but anyway, uh, yeah, there's some weird stuff out there that I've never heard of that, that seems to go well. And then there are other things that I think, well, this will go nicely and it doesn't sell until I've dropped the price a lot.
So it's, it's it's just proof that some days you're the dog, other days you're the fire hydrant. Yeah, and it's really tough too, Brian, because uh, you know the the only point of reference I really have is me, and uh, you know I've fortunately charted sales ever since I started this website in 2006. So I kind of have a, a good idea. People don't understand when I tell them. You probably, since you've been in the, uh, on the tobacco side for so many years, you see something, you pretty much know immediately the value. Uh, and that's basically how I am. I pretty much know the value, but uh, sometimes I'll get something that I haven't had in a while. I'll have to go back and see what I sold it for the last time and uh, figure in the years in between and the inflation and try to be fair that way. But the really hard part of my job uh, is being fair to the consigner, uh, being fair to the buyer, and being fair to me. But sometimes I hit on all cylinders, get all three of them right, and I'm happy. And other times I, I don't. I try, but I don't. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll tell you. I'll tell you a little personal story because I did, and, and this is a perfect example of of what I like to do. Uh, I had uh, 21 tins of assorted tobaccos, and the names aren't important, but it was nothing. Well, yeah. I sent them to you. There was a couple of things that were interesting, but nothing spectacular or, or so I thought. And on the ones that I wasn't sure of, I told you, you know, obviously, you know, let Steve help you with the pricing and, you know, unless you're, unless you're crazy and want to do it yourself. Um, but, uh, there was one tin of ANC Peterson premier crew and I was absolutely shocked at how much you sold it for, uh, shocked, well, but happy. <laughs> Yeah, well, yeah, I'm glad you were happy. Yeah, that was, uh, um, you know, that's a very, uh, that's a tobacco that is coveted by the old timers that, that remember it. And I had sold several, believe it or not, I had sold several tins of that exact tobacco uh, just a few months before I got yours. So I knew <laughs> what the price point would be on that immediately. So here's the example of what happened with me. I sent you 19 50-gram tins, and I think it was 200-gram tins. And my, you know, the checks that you, the checks that you sent me were enough for me to buy 68 50 gram tins of stuff in current production. And that was, well, that's great. Yeah, that was exactly what I wanted to do. Now, if I don't like the stuff that's in current production in five years, I'll just turn around and send it to you and we'll try to triple up again. (laughs) I like that. That's good thinking, Brian. Uh, but that, but that 30% consignment fee that you charge that on eBay, that covers the eBay fees and, uh, and you know, the no shipping is taken out of that and that's just clear money directly back to the consigner. Correct. Yeah. On eBay, I don't, I don't get quite as much back because you have to pay both the eBay and the PayPal fees. Uh, whereas on my website, even though there's a maintenance fee to my webmaster and there's, uh, you, you know, other costs, uh, annual costs of different things that you have to have in order to run a website. Uh, but I don't have to pay an eBay uh, fee for each sale, just the PayPal fee. So uh, it's, uh, you know, it does a little bit better. But but no, you're exactly right. Like uh, and I just tell people right out when, when I take that 30 percent fee on eBay, uh, fact of the matter is, I'm going to I'm going to net about 17 percent, and on my website I'll net about 21 percent. You know, it's you no know, secret. Yeah. That's just how it works. Yeah, that's that's those PayPal and eBay fees and all that stuff. Yeah. Uh, we're yeah. going to take a break right here. When we come back, yeah, maybe I'll stir it up a little bit. So stay with us. We'll be back with Steve Fallon in just a minute.
Being at the forefront of craft tobacco production for over 20 years, we've been involved in some rather interesting projects at Cornell and Deal. From the Cellar Series to the Small Batch Project, we're extremely proud of how far we've come. So moving forward, we wanted to take it back to basics, and that's what the Burley Flake Series is all about. Burley is an underrated varietal, but there is a ton of nuance there. Using various condimental tobaccos to accentuate different aspects of the air-cured leaf, each blend in this series is intended to showcase different individual subtleties inherent to Burley. It's a simple concept, one that I think really speaks to the essence of what we do at CND as a crew of folks who just love tobacco. It's also really good. Cornell and Deal's Burley Flakes series, wherever fine tobaccos are sold. back on the pipes magazine radio show visiting with steve fallon the one and only pipe stud and uh all right so on on ebay is where you sell and consign pipes but you also are you picking up some brand new pipes as well oh yeah there'll be uh, new pipes or estate pipes either one yep so pipe makers are sending you stuff to to help you promote them because i see some pipes on also on the pipe stud site uh, yeah, actually, I'm glad you brought that up because it's been a lot of fun. But I am a huge fan of American handmade pipes, and that's my collection. It makes up my collection. Uh, uh, my motif is more toward the tan blasts. But uh, I just think the American pipe makers today are making pipes as good uh, as any pipe uh, made by anybody else in the world, and they just don't get enough credit. And so uh, what I'm what I'm trying to do is just uh, set it up so that for my unsmoked brand new pipes on my website, uh, and I cross promote by also putting them on eBay so you can see them on both sites. Uh, and that way you get a little more marketing out of the deal and a little more exposure and sell them that way. And uh, it's been a lot of fun. And in fact, <laughs> I've picked up a couple of pipes uh, from my <laughs> rotation where they'll send them in and I go, man, I want that one. And so I'll, I'll buy it. So I, I'm not sure I'm making any money on that deal, Brian, but I'm having a lot of fun with it. And I hope the pipe makers uh, from the USA uh, are uh, getting some benefit too, because I think they do a whale of a job. There, I mean, there, there is some really talented people out there and that's one of the reasons why I'll never be a pipe maker uh, because I don't want to ruin the fact that they're all really talented. Yeah, I understand. Yeah. I understand. Yeah, uh, you're writing a blog, which I don't understand because it's like words and you got to read that. But uh, what have what have been some of your more uh, popular blog posts of late? Well, you know, Brian, the uh, the interesting thing is I try to write blogs that I think that uh, people are interested in what they're talking about, what they're thinking about. Uh, I, I know that a lot of younger pipe smokers uh, are, are purchasing tobacco off my website now, which I love. Uh, and they have a lot of questions about uh, about just how to smoke a pipe and the kinds of tobaccos to look for and things like that. So I, I'm writing blog, blogs like that. And, of course, lately with the Latakia thing going on, first the Cyprian talk of all that, and then it was all gone. And then uh, when McClellan shut down, people lamenting the fact that uh, it's going to be more difficult to find the, the good, solid Virginias anymore. And uh, and then I started seeing people on 
different forums talking about uh, talking about Cyprian Latakia, and then I started getting emails about Cyprian Latakia. So I thought, well, you know what? Maybe this is something interesting to talk about too. So uh, I began uh, working, and it's a work in progress. I, I did the Syrian Latakia first because that was easy. I did a blog on on the, the demise of the Syrian leaf and uh, how it was made, that sort of thing. And then uh, I'm working now on the Cyprian Latakia end. Because, you know, a lot of people out there going, oh, my gosh, there's not going to be any more Cyprian Latakia. And and uh, uh, other people have said, well, there hadn't been Cyprian Latakia made in years. And I, I thought, you know, <laughs> I really never thought about it. Why don't I just go ahead and do a little research? And so what I've come up with has been, uh, and it's still a work in progress, but what I've come up with has been so interesting. Uh, and, <clears throat> you know, there's some good news and there's some bad news, but, uh, you know, please don't kill the messenger. <laughs> but I'm just trying to put together something that uh, uh, that I think is concise, uh, informative, uh, but also make sure that it's that's factual. That I don't throw any anything out there that isn't true. And if uh, there are reports of certain certain things going on, make sure that you say they are reports of, and don't say this is. You know, just the general uh, journalism stuff that that I learned over 25 years as a journalist. So it's no, uh, uh, you know, doesn't take a doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out that if you're uh, in a situation where you want to entertain, inform, uh, have fun, and uh, all of that good kind of stuff, and still keep your reputation, just just uh, make the presentation as factual as you can, and, and move on down the highway. And so that's what I'm that's what I'm working on with the Cyprian deal. And and I'll tell you, boy, you start talking facts, I get into trouble just saying stupid stuff. I don't need to screw up facts to get in trouble. <laughs> I'll, I'll cause a storm, you know, but, but I'll just say that, you know, you and I talked about this, uh, before recording and that, you know, the markets have always changed and the, and the supplies have always changed and the tobacco manufacturers have always adapted the best way possible. Cause you know, that's, that's what happened when it moved from Syria to Cyprus, everybody had to adapt and get used to it. That's exactly right. And there are uh, so many people out there who, uh, I call them wannabes. They want to know. They want to want everybody to think they're in the know. So they get on forums and post the, the wildest, craziest things that are so untrue it's not even funny. But uh, they want everybody to think they know what's going on. And then there are people like you. I was. Uh, th this is just a fact. I've, I've even said this to Brian before, folks. Uh, I've known Brian for, I don't know, 15 years or so. And uh, he'll just throw off the top of his head some fact about tobacco while he's talking about something else that I never heard of. Uh, I think Brian's probably forgotten more about tobacco than I'll ever know uh, the business he's been in. But uh, when when uh, when you, Brian, start talking about uh, changes in tobacco, changes in uh, what's going to happen in the future uh, and the reasons why and all that, I'm one of those who listens, too. So you uh, so you. You may have some stupid in you, but you got some smarts too, partner. I, I'm sorry, I forgot. What's your name again? <laughs> Does your wife know you're talking nice about me? Oh no. Okay, good. Tell her that. <laughs> that's right. another. That's another cross I have to bear. My wife's in love with Brian, so. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So uh, skipping over that, what are some of the other blog posts <laughs> that you've done in the past that uh, people might want to go read about and dig around through your stuff? Like, uh, yeah, I don't know, people that are bored and want to read Texas talk. 
Uh, well, I, you know, first of all, it's uh, Texas talk is real easy because we're simple. Anything that's a, a difficult word that you have to hunt up in the dictionary, we don't even say, uh, <laughs> mainly because we don't know it. Uh, but, you know, one thing that's really interesting that, it, that got a lot of attention, uh, and especially with the kind of website I run, uh, I, I did a blog one time of uh, of some old 19, I think, well, 2000. I think it was year 2000, Dark Star. Several great tins came in for me to sell. And right now, as you know, that's a really hot one. Uh, but one of them sounded kind of funny. And uh, it, it looked sealed. But uh, what I've done over the years is chart weight uh, for hundreds of different blends of tobacco. So if it's in the ballpark, I'll know that it's good if I have a question. So... Uh, you know, a good solid 100-gram uh, tin of uh, Dark Star, that, that's going to be at about the 6.5, 6.7 range. And so I put that on there, and it came in at 5.01, so I knew we had a major problem. And uh, so I popped the top of the tin, and it was just crusty, dry, and dusty, and looked <laughs> awful. The inside of the tin was falling apart. But these were the exact same year 2000. This was an exact same year 2010 as the others. So I just took some pictures of it and talked a little bit about that. But I've had some real heartbreaks over the years. Uh, as you know, the, the Scotland made three nuns. Uh, they had horrific tins. Yep. Uh, whenever I see a good one that comes through here, I get ecstatic. But uh, there are others like Dunhill, which uh, you just can't find a bad Dunhill tin. Mm -mm. I don't know who made those tins, but they, they, uh, they're solid as a rock. They sent them to Rolex to have them sealed. <laughs> that's gotta be it so uh, wait let me they, let me back up a minute here so a 50 a uh, hundred gram tin of a of mcclellan's dark star 100 grams is three and a half ounces ballpark so when you weigh it you know that in the tin with the lid it should weigh about six and a half ounces or a little bit over well, that yeah it just it, it'll depend on the you know the older the older dark stars are a little lighter just because the tins were a little narrow narrower. Uh, but as an example, almost any ribbon cut, uh, packed flat tin that's vacuum sealed is going to be about 4.2, something like that. So if you take a flat tin and it's uh, it's under four, three six, three seven, you've got a bum tin. And usually the only uh, the only uh, thing that makes me decide to weigh them is I'll just you know shake it up near my ear and if I hear any sound coming out of them uh, then I, to me that's a question and so if I've got it charted what I've uh, if I've sold four or five of those tens in the past and they all come in at about three four and this one comes in at two seven or two eight then I'll know that yeah yeah probably better not sell that uh, and I have sold tens in the past that I thought were good that weren't and uh, you know it's uh, uh, even though, as as I say, even on the website, you know, I really, we're talking about 10, 20, 30, 40-year-old tins. Please don't hold me responsible if, uh, you know, if you get a tin that I thought was good that isn't. But, you know, I think maybe once or twice in the entire time I've been running this site have I ever not done a refund. And it was only because uh, the people that were trying to get them were uh, – people i didn't think were quite being honest with me the rest of the time i i just refund with no problem no issue because it does you know if you're going to pay 150 dollars or 200 dollars for a tin of tobacco and pipe stud keeps your money and says tough luck well you're not going to come back to pipe stud again yep so so yeah i refund 
but the uh, but there are you know you're talking about tens that are old as you know Brian the uh, uh, all of us as we age develop you know holes and issues here and there <laughs> parts fall off <laughs> yeah you can't help it yeah I the sides get corroded yeah I didn't know I had that part and I just fell off okay well <laughs> when the doctor looks at you and says well for your age okay thanks doc uh, all right, with the with the McClellan stuff right now, it's still hot. It's still doing well. Are there tobaccos that you've seen that have gotten real popular and then just tanked afterwards? Uh, yeah, uh, early, you know it's uh, it's it's interesting that you ask that because I was thinking about that not too long ago. There were the uh, back in, I guess, the uh, late 70s, right before uh, Dunhill went over to Murray's, uh, all of, <clears throat> pardon me, all of those Dunhill tins uh, were from Dunhill, London, were just absolutely red hot. And then Murray's, of course, making the blends. And most of the guys who remember the, the old London made and the difference between that and Murray's, they kind of either fell off the charts they died or they they're they don't do the internet uh thing that uh, <laughs> the younger people do uh so they don't know about it and now uh anything that's murray's era dunhill is just super red hot that's uh and and the Dun dunhill london made it's like yeah you know what that might be too old to be any good anymore uh there's a story <laughs> that always goes around i've I do not adhere to it, don't believe it, uh, just from uh, personal smoking experience and, and also from hearing uh, from people who I trust like you, and that is that uh, Latakia dies, uh, you know, after 30 or 40 years. It, it certainly softens and it certainly smooths out, but there's still certainly a presentation. And like in the case of the original Balkan Sobrani, I like it better old because I'm, a, I'm an Oriental fan, and the, the Latakia has softened to the point where the Orientals really – uh, have come to the forefront, which I think is better than when the old Balkan Sobrani that I was buying in the late 70s and early 80s was fresh. Uh, but anyway, that's yeah. just my thought. No, I, I've said the same thing about Perique, where it loses that Perique punch that I like after it ages for too long. If it's not in there, you know, with really good tobacco, it'll the blend will just get to be blah. Yeah, so there's every tobacco... Uh, has its uh, uh, well, I don't know if everyone does, but like Perique is certainly one, and there are others as well. The uh, you know there are variances of the uh, of the Orientals, which you would know better than me. But I, I do know, for instance, that uh, when I'm when I'm smoking a lot of Ismer, uh, boy, that stuff is really pungent to me. Uh, but if it's old. Then it's it's uh, it's really neat. I love the flavor uh, of the Ismer leaf, uh, but the uh, uh, but again the the newer stuff is just too pungent for me. I don't know why. And then uh, conversely, uh, absolutely go nuts. I don't care what you know whether it's old or new. But uh, I love Smyrna and I love that blend. And it's uh, you know it's just wonderful to me. So I guess taste buds. Everybody's tastes are different. One last question about the uh, about the Pipe Stud website. If people are looking for tobacco, do you keep a list of of uh, what people are looking for? So when it comes in, it might uh, go directly to them. No, and the reason I don't do that, Brian, is just a, a simple uh, favoritism deal. I don't want anyone thinking that I play favorites, 
And if I were to do that, then work would start getting out, and it just wouldn't be good for my business. So even my even my real good friends, I, I just say, here's the deal. I'm so glad you like that, and every time I have it on the website, I hope you buy it. Uh, but the fact is, I got to put it on the site because everybody's got to have an equal chance at getting it. Uh, if if people thought that I was uh, uh, doing anything differently. Uh, then, then my reputation would take a hit, and I'd rather that not happen. So it's just, hey, guys, here's the deal. I don't take uh, orders. I, I have people all the time every day of the week, Brian. Hey, uh, Steve, uh, I really like such and such a blend. If you ever get any in, just let me know, and I'll pay you top dollar for it. Well, <laughs> for one thing, I don't have time to remember hundreds of people and what their requests are. <laughs> I can't even remember yesterday. But the other thing is you start doing that, and people start hearing about it, well, uh, you know, they're going to be a little ticked off if they find out that your favorite blend was offered to somebody else privately uh, so that you didn't have a shot at it on the website, and maybe they'll just go away from my website. So, no, I don't do that. It is a lot easier just to take a picture of the item, post it, and then see what happens than it yeah, is to go through a whole list. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, and we know you're a little shy about talking to people, too, so... Oh, yeah, such a shy person. Yeah. Uh, Steve, we will wrap this up with the Fast Five final questions. No right answer, no wrong answer. Just whatever comes to your mind. Are you ready? I'm ready. Fire. What is your favorite pipe? Favorite pipe right now is a Bruce Weaver. Uh, I've had it since 2007. First smoke of the day, every day, 365 days out of the year. And there's a guy that came into pipe making and is now pretty much done with it. Uh, yeah, thanks a lot, Bruce. Yeah. Uh, what is your favorite Royal Yacht tobacco? <laughs> Was there a little hit in there? Yeah. Uh, uh, actually, my favorite smoke, uh, which I smoke two or three times a day, one-third of the bowl filled with Murray's Era Royal Yacht, and the final two-thirds of the bowl filled with uh, just simple old five brothers. And that's a powerful combination, and it's good. Yeah, and it, apparently it won't put hair on your head. <laughs> no, I've tried. Uh, what is your favorite drink? Favorite drink? Uh, sweet tea. Uh-oh. When it's time to relax, do you prefer a book, a movie, or music? Probably a book. You mean with words in it or just pictures? Well, the ones with pictures are the easiest, but sometimes I will get one with words in it. <laughs> if my wife's home to help me out. Yeah. Yeah. Or or your or your grandchild can help you. <laughs> uh, and then finally, do you have a favorite pipe smoking related memory that we haven't talked about? Well, I don't know that I have a favorite pipe smoking memory other than uh, the one that got me started, and that was watching an old newscaster by the name of Bill Herring, uh, who was doing the television news when I was working on the radio station uh, as a junior in high school. And uh, Bill would come in and also do the radio newscast for us. And, of course, this is back in the early 70s when you could smoke a pipe anywhere you wanted to. And he'd come into the newsroom and he'd take that pipe out of his mouth. And all he smoked was Captain Black. Uh, I'm sorry, not Captain Black, but uh, Borkham Riff. And I'd smell that wonderful smell. And he looked so cool smoking a pipe. And to this day, I can still see him sitting there smoking a pipe and me going, man, when I grow up, I want to be just like Bill Herring. <laughs> 
Well, Steve, you know, we're, we're getting ready to do the JDRF auctions again. I'm gathering stuff here, and I really honestly appreciate and love you for doing everything that you've done to help us. Uh, now this will be the fifth year, I think, we've done this. Uh, yeah, Look, looking forward to it, and everybody will have to keep an eye on uh, Pipe Stud on eBay and the Pipe Stud uh, homepage on uh, pipestud.com. Well, thank you. And I think JDFR is certainly uh, uh, a very worthy, worthy organization to support. So you just, whatever you send, we'll, uh, we'll put up and, and donate the money to, to them. And uh, very much appreciate you heading that up. And also, Brian, thank you so much for having me on today. It's been a blast. It's always fun to listen to your radio show. It's fun to uh, be on here with you. But more importantly, it's, it's fun being your friend. And that hurts to say, but I said it. I know, but your wife feels the same way, so. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's sad. Yeah. Well, anyway, uh, Steve, thanks again. You bet. We'll be back in just a minute. A Savinelli pipe is a testament to a long legacy, fortified by well-worn hands and destined to be enjoyed for generations. For over 150 years, Savinelli has been dedicated to sourcing the world's finest briar, committed to pushing the boundaries of pipe design, and devoted to the tradition of Italian pipe making. Savinelli is more than a mark. They're a way to help you make your mark. And like you, there can only be one Savinelli. This is Internet Radio. And we are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show. And a big thank you again to Steve Fallon, the pipe stud, for coming on and hanging out with me. All right, for music, it's been a while since we've had Stevie Ray Vaughan, and uh, this one is off of the album Texas Flood. It's an instrumental, and it's just, again, classic Stevie Ray Vaughan, really cool. This one is called Lenny. <laughs> Thank you. 
So I know a little bit about how to play guitar, and I don't play well enough for anybody else to listen to me, but all I can say is I have no idea how he makes those sounds and those tones and that and and to end that song that way. I mean, just amazing. Well, let's see what's in the mail. In the mailbag. And remember, if you have a comment or question for me, you can email me directly, brian at pipesmagazine.com. If you don't hear back from me, uh, please email again, because sometimes the spam filter gets caught. A couple of things going back to Dan Spaniola of Paul's Pipe Shop. Uh, Scott writes, uh, Brian, thanks so much for this interview. I love visiting Paul's when I am in, uh, in the area visiting family. It is worth the trip. Uh, while in Michigan, try to make it to Mackinac Island to tour if your family is with you. Uh, I've had the Arrowhead Championship and two other Spaniola blends. They were all excellent. Keep up the great shows. Thank you for your time and efforts with all of it. Uh, grace and peace, Scott. Scott, thank you very much. Uh, yeah, I've had a couple other folks say that they've uh, reached out to, uh, to Dan and picked up a couple of the uh, Paul's Pipe Shop blends and have really enjoyed them so that's uh nice to hear uh and then uh, andre writes uh hello brian i've just attended the new york pipe show this weekend a wonderful time with members of the new york pipe club and of course spending time with the fellows and ladies of briar nation to be honest this year the room seemed fuller and busier than last year i do remember hearing though last year was a bit down which makes sense because everyone was desperate to purchase mcclelland and that drove down pipe sales uh, I ordered a pipe to get later this year and found a spectacular deal on a berthier Dunhill in a size 5. How good a deal? I didn't even haggle. Uh, afterwards, a bunch of us made our way over to Casa de Monte Cristo by JR's for many bowls, a bit and some libations. Then someone showed up with a 1950s or 60s tin of Dunhill piping cool. It's lovely, although sad to realize I most likely will never have that again. A pleasant time amongst pleasant people. Hope to talk soon, Andre. Uh, I'm glad. That, I'm glad you had a good time. I'm glad the show went well. I know this was uh, the the Sam Barnett Memorial show, and uh, Rich Esserman did a wonderful job. And I'm glad to see that people uh, people got there. Uh, talking about pipe shows, you know, yeah, you can find really good deals on pipes at a pipe show, and that's one of the reasons to go. Uh, and then last week with J uh, with Jeremiah. I almost got his name wrong again. Uh, Casey Ghost writes, nice show. I must be the other person you were referring to when you said maybe two pipe smokers didn't want to be carvers and one of them was yourself. <laughs> you should have asked him if he was a baseball fan. If so, you could have sent him to a Cubs or White Sox game. He will have a tough time with the Chicago weather. Uh, he may as well bring every bit of clothing that he owns, and he needs to stay at the Pheasant Run in the tower. It's a long walk from the tower, but the uh, but the West Wing is it's ridiculous. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, the that golf wing that walk can get a little long, but uh, actually, from the golf wing, if you go outside around the pool and by the fire pit, it cuts off a whole bunch of time. Uh, and then uh, J.M. Smitty writes, I feel so honored to have my question answered by Jeff and Brian. Thank you both for a wonderful show. I wish that I could make it to the Chicago Pipe Show or any pipe show for that matter, but it isn't in the cards this year. Thank you, as always, for the great work that you do, Brian. You are very welcome. Uh, and uh, finally, uh, writing Rav, Ira, 
writes, I really enjoyed both the both Ask the Pipe Maker segment with Jeff and the interview with Jeremiah. In reference to comments about trying out pipes before buying them, I remember back in the day that most pipes had little plastic sleeves to put over the stem so that one could get the feel of the pipe in the mouth. Has that disappeared? Uh, I hated the taste of plastic, but it did help get the feel for the weight of the pipe. On another note, since I've been so enmeshed in back issues of the show, I've heard a variety of, of reports about the FDA regs. And since I often listen to shows from different years back to back because I'm interested in the particular guest, I've lost all track of sequence. Therefore, would you consider a quick update in the coming weeks of where exactly things stand with the FDA at the present moment? Thanks, Ira. Um, Ira, what you're referring to with the little plastic covers, those we used to call them in the industry as uh, pipe condoms. And... Yeah, they've pretty much gone away. Um, they were just little tiny, uh, little tiny Ziploc bags that didn't have a Ziploc on them, and they just go over the stem of it. Uh, and yes, I am working on some uh, FDA update information for you all. I hope to have that uh, in the next couple of weeks. It'll be interesting because uh, the head of the FDA, Scott Gottlieb, has just resigned. And going to iTunes for reviews. Uh, Bad Calvinist, I love that name, Bad Calvinist. Uh, Bad Calvinist writes five stars, uh, wonderful interviews, one of the few great podcasts about all things pipe-related. I can't wait for the next episode. Thank you. <laughs> one of the few great. I think there's three of us. Uh, and then Great Barcia writes, fantastic show, great insight and interviews into the pipe smoker lifestyle. Thank you for this. It's really nice to listen to during a long work day or drive to work. Wish you all the best. Many smooth smokes. I love that. Smooth smokes. Yeah. And then uh, lastly, uh, Dust, uh, Dustnick, who I happen to actually know is uh, Dustin. Dustin writes, I've been listening to the, to the Pipes Magazine podcast for a couple of years. It is very informative, educational, and entertaining. Brian is also a travel agent. I can testify firsthand if he can't help you find a better deal, he'll tell you up front and also spend time giving you advice, pointers, and information about the area you plan on visiting. And that's exactly what I did for Dustin. I uh, helped him out with a couple of islands that he was trying to choose between and uh, yeah, kind of pointed him in the direction that I would go. And you know what? I couldn't beat any of the deals that he could get privately, so off he's going on his own. And then Dustin also uh, sent in the, uh, the Fast Five final questions. So his favorite pipe is a Bent Bulldog. His favorite tobacco is Frogmorton Cellar, if I could only have one for the rest of my life. As I mentioned the other day, I usually go back and forth and change things up on a regular basis. Uh, there are so many different mixtures out there, and I always like trying new things. And uh, since he can't get Frogmorton Cellar anymore, better try new things. Uh, his favorite drink is black coffee during the day, stout porter, or Canadian whiskey in the evenings. And he enjoys a movie. Most enjoyable place would be a quiet place next to a river on a beautiful day and, of course, a pipe and a stiff drink. And then finally, pipe memory would probably be 20 years ago when I was working out of a town in Indiana. My first long smoke contest at a town festival a pipe club was hosting. Side note, my ex-wife back then always threw absolute fit, and I'd only smoke a pipe when I was out of town, so I only enjoyed a pipe for about a year and a half. Uh, but I started smoking a pipe again about 
three years ago, and now I have a wonderful wife, and she actually encourages me to smoke the pipe in the house if it's an aromatic she enjoys the smell of. And that is perfect advice. If your spouse doesn't like you smoking a pipe, keep the pipe. Get rid of the spouse. Uh, and uh, finally, a little bit of travel news. Yes, uh, Disneyland and Walt Disney World have announced the opening dates for Star Wars Galaxy's Edge at both uh, Disneyland in California and the Walt Disney World Resort in Florida. If you would like information and rates and stuff like that, email me, brian.levine at mei-travel.com or brian at pipesmagazine.com. Either one will work, and rant time is coming up. This is Phil Morgan, General Manager of Missouri Meerschaum Corncob Pipes in Washington, Missouri. Our mission since 1869 has been to produce great smoking pipes that anyone can afford. We guarantee our pipes won't be your most expensive, but they just might be the ones you smoke the most. At Missouri Meerschaum Company, we don't just sell our corncob pipes. We grow them, make them, and smoke them. Missouri Meerschaum, Washington, Missouri, since 1869. several things that I really love about the pipe collecting community and about pipes in general. I mean, one of one thing is there's always, always something to learn about pipes and pipe tobacco. Always something to learn. Always some new pipe to see. Always something to learn about tobacco, about the history. Always something to learn. And uh, 99% of the people that you run into that smoke a pipe are just good, average, regular people that just enjoy their pipe. And they are not arrogant, pretentious, and cocky. And if you want to piss me off or get get me to not like you, just come up to me and be an arrogant bastard. Uh, And I use this as an example because uh, most of the cigar smokers that I run into at cigar shops tend to be on the arrogant side. They walk up and they'll start telling you how much they just spent for this jacket or that or whatever they're talking about. The The first thing out of their mouth is they're trying to impress you with what they've got and tell you all about it and they're arrogant and cocky. Every once in a while, you know, you'll run into somebody in the pipe community who wants to show you their perfect Danish handmade straight grain and wants to flaunt it at you. But in most cases, in the pipe world, you just have people that are just enjoying their pipes. And if you happen to think that it's attractive, well, then you can take a look at it. And it may be something really rare. It may be something not so rare. In the cigar world, not the same. Well, recently, (laughs) I had the opportunity to uh, set one of those arrogant cigar smokers straight when he started talking about the watch that he owned and or just bought and blah, 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 blah. And I like watches. I know enough about watches. And I knew that this guy was just purely blowing smoke and was happy to explain it to him. So... Uh, the fun you have when you just hang out at a smoke shop and you overhear conversations and you're no longer in the business so you can be yourself. 
So there you go. All right. Remember, brand new episodes of the Pipes Magazine radio show come out every Tuesday night at 8 p.m. Eastern time. Please keep sharing them with your friends and your family and your enemies. And uh, hope everybody has a, a happy St. Patrick's Day or whatever else is coming up. I want to thank you all for tuning in. Thanks, Steve Fallon, again for coming on. And until next time. the clouds when we're together just sing a song and think about sunny weather Delicious.